Oh yeah, how you doing? <laughs> Welcome to In Melbourne Last Week with Ivan Pugioni. Yes, that's me. And every week I talk to a very interesting guest and uh, talk a bit about their occupation, their hobby, their project, something very interesting, like whatever it is it may be, you know. Don't, don't have to be A-listers, but they can, you know, as long as they have something going on, I really love to hear about it and uh, I love having a chat with them. So if you want to listen, be sure to subscribe. Uh, I am on Apple Podcasts as well as Podbean as well. And I think I'm on Stitcher as well and a few other one of those podcast apps. I'm sure you'll find me. My guest last week was a lady called Stacey Alice and uh, she used to play roller derby. So uh, yeah, that's the one where you're up and you got the pads and the helmets and stuff and you try and, you know, Make sure that your jammers, you know, pass the uh, opposition and you get points. Uh, you're probably wondering what the hell does that mean? Uh, if you listen to the podcast, you'll understand what's going on. So uh, Stacey explains the, a bit about the basics of roller derby and uh, talks about her time and how the film uh, Whip It, uh, starring Ellen Page, inspired her to, to get into uh, roller derby. And she was also an avid traveller, so she talked to me about some uh, budget-saving tips, uh, things like couch surfing or networking on social media to... Uh, get cheaper accommodation and that sort of thing. So uh, good on you, Stacey. Thanks so much for being with me. And uh, I hope you enjoy the interview and uh, let me know what you think. Drop me an email, send me something on social media, whatever you want. Enjoy. This is Stacey Alice. Give it up. Thanks so much for being here with me. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I know. It's pretty awesome. It is. I know. You're my sixth ever guest. Oh, no, seventh ever guest. Oh, seven's my lucky number. Oh, it sure is. Yay. Lucky seven. And we got a nice, more former roller derby. Mm-hmm. Play. Did you pronounce a roller derby or roller derby? Roller derby. Roller derby. You're yeah. A former roller derby player and a, yes. a traveller, jet setter. Yes. Yeah. Yes to both. Very. Yeah. Yes to both. <laughs> I would have actually, in a in a little sidebar, I would have had number seven as my roller derby number if I could have, but somebody else in my league already had it. Yeah. So I had to pick another one, but. That's like seven is my lucky number to the point where I would have had that as my number if I could have. Yeah, that's a fun fact. Fun fact. I know it's something, you know, we haven't even got into the interview yet. And, uh, <laughs> you already know what's going on. You've already got that down pat. Good. Yeah. And you're also an occasional um, guest on our podcast, but I don't want to be a secondary character on I my am. Seinfeld podcast that I heavily promote <laughs> all the time. Why not? Pod. Why yeah. not? Crossovers. They're always good. Yeah. 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 No, I've been on a couple of episodes of um, Bidwabask with you and Stephen, which is always good fun. Yeah. Who's the better podcaster? No, I'm just kidding. I won't say that. I mean, you're obviously more professional than Stephen. <laughs> no, Stephen's pretty good in his own. But you should be because yeah. you have the background for it. <laughs> no, so Stephen, Stephen does well too. If he sh- if he sh- overshone you on the professionalism side, I would be shocked. Yeah. And it's great because I... <laughs> no, but it's true. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. No, because it was good to interview like Stephen from like a guest perspective. Yeah. You know, we spoke about veganism. We spoke about, um, you know, like the, the, the factory farming. We spoke uh-huh. about different other things and also cycling. He loves yep. cycling as well. Yep. So it's actually, did you talk about coffee? Uh, no, no, I don't you think... You didn't get him I started? I don't think we did, That's actually. That's probably a wise choice. <laughs> Otherwise, he probably would have taken ages to talk about <laughs> yeah. it, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, though, because he does make a bloody good coffee. Yeah, yeah. I had one the other day, and it was really good. Mm. Yeah, French press. <laughs> good job. If you're listening, Stephen, great job. 
Thanks for the coffee, pal. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, so I guess I got to say, I'm, I'm sure like people have seen roller derby like in movies and yeah. heard about it and stuff. And, you know, it looks like a pretty rough kind of sport. So tell me about roller derby. Like what are the rules? Like what's the aim of scoring? Like mm-hmm. how does one like... How does it work? How does it work? Can you just give when me like you the watch, basic... When yeah. you watch roller derby as a, like someone who doesn't know how the rules work and even... Um, like when I first started playing derby, I'd already been skating um, and watching games and watching scrimmages and helping official scrimmages and stuff. I had been watching derby for two years before I started playing. And even when I first started playing and for probably the first 12 months, I was still working out the rules as I was actually playing the game because it is really complicated it's very nuanced like the more you learn the more there is to kind of know yeah. about it if that makes sense because it looks very sport, rough and tumble the sport. yeah like yes I, I can appreciate that but as the sport like continues to evolve and it's like definitely grown in the last like five years especially it's gone from a sport that was i guess a bit um Oh, what's that word? Like, not gimmicky, but, you know, it had that old association of, um, you know, like the fishnet stockings and the cute outfits mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. So that's like part of the revival, but it's definitely in the last sort of five years made a pretty big turn and gone towards like much more serious professional sportsman like behavior and like athleticism. Yeah. Um, so the game itself has evolved a lot, but like, Basically, um, the aim of the game is to score points. Okay. So the person who or the team who wins at the end of the game is the team with the most points. Um, and the way that you score points as a team is by having your jammer, which is the lady who wears the... Or not lady specifically. Obviously, there's men's derby or, or as the well. Player. The player yeah. Yeah. who um, wears the star on her helmet. Uh, on their helmet so um, they need to skate around and around the track and pass members of the opposing team okay in order to score points um, and the team mates of that jammer are like making their best effort to prevent the other team from scoring points whilst also making the most advantageous like um, plays for their jammer to make points so it's like a continual defense and offense game okay um some players like some leagues and some teams focus more on one than the other but when you watch it at the level that we're at at the moment it's continual offense and defense um in order to be doing both of those things simultaneously to the point where they'll have like one player who specifically their role is specifically to give offense to their jammer at all. Like that's her number one priority. If she has time, she might go and do defense, but her number one priority is to do offense and get her jammer out. Yeah. So basically, to make points. so basically, okay. So the basically to, to earn points, you've yep. got to get your jammer. Your jammer has to pass, has the, to other pass players, the other players. And yeah. this is all taking place on a relatively small track and you always have to be moving forward. Yeah. 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 Um, you're not allowed, like you can. So it's like NASCAR on. Roller skates. <laughs> sort it's just of. like around I mean, and around and So around. I don't know anything about American football, but people who I've spoken to and explained the rules of roller derby have said it's most closely related to American gridiron okay. in terms of like those structured offensive and defensive plays. Plus you wear helmets too. Plus, we, <laughs> and a lot of like not just helmets. So you have to wear a helmet, a mouth guard, wrist 
um, wrist guards, elbow pads and knee pads yeah. in order to be able to play, like even at scrimmage level, which is what we what, call What scrimmage it. level? Amateur? Scrimmage is, is when we train um, ah. within our own leagues or yeah. with other leagues as well sometimes. But it's basically when you play a game, but it's for training. Yeah. So it's like all the same rules of gameplay and everything taking place, but it's just practice and learning for ourselves yeah. for training. So how many points does one get if the jammer does what they're meant to do? Um, so the most points that you can have in any one pass is a grand slam, which is five points. All right. Um, but you might make like in a in a decent jam, you might make um, you know three or four passes. Um, I think the most I can't remember like the most points I've seen out of one jam in any one game, which is like the elite level um, teams. You can see a jammer score like forty points. Right. Maybe. Okay. In I'm a actually, power jam. I'm actually looking at an image. I'm on the Victorian Roller Derby League website. Yeah. And the Victorian All-Stars, they're the, they're the number one ranked number team in the one. world in Victoria. Yeah. Uh, in the world. And uh, I've got a score line here. The final score, they, they defeated Denver uh, 287 to 65. Yep. Is that a flogging? Or is that like a huge... That's a flogging. That's a big win? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. I mean, so when you see... If you see teams that are like... Oh, and there's a jammer with the stars on the head. Yeah. Yeah, on the yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Can I see you? Oh, sure. Yeah, okay. I'll just bring that. Because I might recognise... Some people. Oh, I'm having Wait. a bit of trouble. That's okay. <laughs> we'll let it go. Um... Sorry, yeah, yeah, so if you see... It's just you, everything's connected to the like the phone microphones and stuff. Connected. Yeah, I don't want to disconnect anything, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. If you're watching a game with um, like two teams that are very differently matched in terms of skill, um, you can see score differentials of like hundreds. So yeah, I've seen okay. games where it'll be like 300 and something to 30. Um, and that just means that it's two teams that are very differently matched in skill. Whereas, like, the closer the points gap, obviously the the more, like, even the teams are and the arguably the better derby is being played. Yeah. Um, but usually you would see, like, so it's very common to have scores over 100. Um, both teams being on less than 100 is pretty unusual. Um, so it's pretty normal to see scores over 100 and then usually like less than 200 if they're, a, you know, a good team. And then when you're getting to like really, really good teams, they're cracking the 200s. You only really ever see like 300 plus in a game where it's like that big disparity yeah. between the skill levels. Sure, sure. Mm. Hmm. And so what, what would happen, you know, how like you see in roller derby how someone gets knocked down. Yeah. What happens there? Do they have to like get up and continue, or do they have to like start from another position, or a bit of both? Yeah. Okay. So, what, so, what, so what happens if one gets knocked off the track? Um, so if you're hit out of bounds um, by another skater, you can just get up and re-enter the track. However, you have to make sure that you re-enter behind any players who were ahead of you on the track, so you can't gain advantage by re-entering. So you can't just get hit out and come straight back in and like cut in front of people who are already there. Okay. Um, so it's your like responsibility to get back on the track and go behind anybody who is already like further past you on the track so that you are not um, obtaining like a position of advantage from re-entering the track. Um, but you can still go in front. So if there were players who were behind you when you got hit out, you don't have to go behind them, only the players who are ahead of you. Um, but the other thing you can do, which is a strategy that's used sometimes, not all the time, but it is quite a good um, offensive strategy, is you try and, like, if you get knocked out, 
um, you've got to try and like get up and get back on the track as fast as possible because otherwise the player who hit you out of bounds can yield you back on the track. So because your responsibility is to come in behind those skaters, if they're fast enough, they'll hit you out of bounds and then start skating like in the opposite direction. Right, okay. And you have to go all the way back so that you're coming in behind them. Oh, okay. Um, and then there's another extra sneaky move you can do, which is you do that and you skate all the way back. And sometimes you're talking about, you know, half a track length. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is especially so if a jammer has been hit out of bounds. Okay. And they're really trying to like chew up her time so she's not making any points. You'll see these big long yields. They also use it as an offensive strategy to, um, to get one player off to the side and then have control over the pack it's starting to get complicated yeah but, yeah yeah um no, i get what you mean though yeah yeah and the other thing you i guess can you do, have to kind of see it to understand it it's right? a really complex Vision, it's a game sport, and at any yeah. one time there's so many different things happening like even you have the pack which is you know the the most like players from the two opposing teams all sort of skate around generally in the same area and that's referred to as the pack um, you've got a maximum of eight skaters on the track together to make up the pack, depending on who's out for penalties and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and there could be, you know, three or four different plays taking place in the pack. Okay. Sure. You know, so like the packs will be working with each other to try and set up defense or offense, as well as the jammers coming through and then things changing and evolving. So like it's a very, very fast-paced, fast-moving sport. It's, as I said, like you can watch it, and not actually have any idea what's going yeah, on. Yeah, what's going on, yeah. It takes a while to, like, get the nuances of that to come together. Yeah, well, I guess it's a, yeah, it's a very visual sport, and I guess it's a bit hard to kind of put in words. you got to really see it, don't you? Yeah. 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 Um, and there's... So, um, you can watch... Um, there's a lot of Derby content for free on the internet if you have an interest and you want to watch some roller derby. Um, so, the WFTDA, which is the Women's Flat Track Derby Association, yeah. have their own website where they archive um, like the games from playoffs and champs. Yep, and it's actually WFTDA.com. I'll put that in the show notes Perfect. as well. And also, I'll put the... If, so, if you're in Melbourne or you want to learn more about the number one best team in the world at the moment, yeah. uh, the Victorian Roller Derby League. Yeah. Uh, VRDL.org. VRDL. Yeah, yep. I'll, uh, I'll put that up as well. Yeah, so that, yep. was, um, that was a pretty big shock i guess for the roller derby world it's the not shock in terms of like they were expected to do well because they've been a really really strong team for the last i think like three or four years vrdl have just been doing better and better and better so i guess i guess um roller derby in victoria is really strong yeah yeah yeah. um they've like vrdl have been the best league in australia for years like since Mm, 2008 or 2009 I think was the first Great Southern Slam which is Australia's national tournament which is held every two years in Adelaide Mm -hmm. Um, it's going to be taking place in the next couple of months I think I can't remember the dates I'm bad with figures (laughs) Um, but yeah so VRDL have never lost um, a Great Southern Slam Mm. they got very close to it one year so the Sun State Roller Girls which is the league I used to skate for in Queensland um, they got very close yeah. to beating VRDL once. Yeah. I think within um, like 10 points or something, but which they're is just an really extremely strong. close margin. Yeah. Um, but yeah, VRDL have come like leaps and bounds in the last sort of five years or so. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is the first time that the championship has ever been taken by a team that is not from Northern America. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, like Rose City, which is the the team from Portland, which had champs, I think, the last two years before that. 
it was an upset that anybody beat Gotham at all. Mm-hmm. Um, Who are currently ranked third. Uh, yeah, I can see in the rankings. Yeah, so they were yep. like undefeated for seven or eight years in a row. Yeah, um, and it was a massive upset when Rose actually like won the the champs and knocked Gotham off their peg. Yeah, um, and it was just a shock to the Derby community that anybody could do that kind of thing because Gotham had just been the number one for such a long time. Everyone had kind of just accepted that that's how things were. Yeah, yeah. So it was such a shock when somebody else won, and then VRDL sort of was hot on the tails of Rose City like pretty soon thereafter um, and last year's playoffs was VRDL and Rose City um, so yeah. like they've been doing really well for a long time but yeah. having like the number one ranked team in the whole world yeah. right here in Melbourne is pretty exciting for Australian oh, roller derby it is great yeah and I guess like um, well actually I was going to say before I asked you another question I was going to say it was actually um, the Roller Derby World Cup happened in yeah. uh, Manchester in the UK and it Australia did. made the final but they lost to the US yeah. uh, 187 to 146 so pretty yep. tight game yep yeah um, so I don't think that so Australia always does well at the Roller Derby World but Cup but they don't quite win it they just kind of make the final or whatever well or. yeah I mean America was the home of the revival of Roller Derby so yeah. America and has yeah. like the population and the experience level right. and stuff like that that we just don't yeah and have. especially um, I I, the, the, I guess the, the only time I've really been exposed to Roller Derby was um, when I watched the movie Whip It yeah the 2009 film apparently inspired and, and you said five years ago or whatever that was the time where people were like characters you know Roller Derby like people had like personas um, I think that's yeah, what you said it's, it's, and in this film they have like like personas yeah you know? yeah um so I actually <laughs> it just a bit that, that, that movie just came to mind. Yeah, no, no that's like most people's it, like knowledge or experience of roller, of roller derby, derby is yeah. Whippet making the mainstream. Uh, written and directed by uh, Drew Barrymore. Yeah. Oh no, sorry, directed by Drew Barrymore. Yeah. 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 Um, Whippet actually was partly responsible for my entry into roller derby. Ah, there you go. Inspired <laughs> you as well. Yeah. 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 Oh, sorry, that was caught on my foot. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's I went, fine. It's very amateur setup here. <laughs> I um, I went and saw Whip It and was just like super inspired by you know like the strong female characters and the sportsmanship and you know like team camaraderie of the sport. Yeah. Um, and just that sort of like kick ass, you know, girl power, like strong independent woman sort of vibes that they portrayed in the film. Okay. Um, and I'd already heard about roller derby before that, and it's like back in this time, roller derby was really associated with the alternative culture. Um, so a lot of like derby skaters and players, you know, had a lot of tattoos and piercings and that more sort of like punk rock era of roller derby. All right. Um, so that's what it was when I sort of first heard about it. And then it was probably like, you know, a year or two before I actually was like, no, this is something that I actually want to do. Um, really meaningfully like actually get involved in so that was like my first exposure was Whip It and then yeah probably like 18 months two years later um, I remember going to a game I'd like seen a promotion for some tickets for a Sun State Roller Girls bout yeah uh, which is what the games are called bouts Um, and I went along um, with my partner at the time and a friend of ours the three of us went together and I remember saying to my partner before the game, like before we went and saw it, I said, if nobody gets seriously injured <laughs> in this bout, I'm going to start up roller derby. Um, All right. Yeah. And we went and it was, I think, two different teams played that night or maybe it was just the one. I can't really remember. Um, and no one got seriously injured. So 
I started oh, roller derby. Everyone bought, survived. Yeah. No one died. Have you, I, have you seen Rollerball, that film from no, the 70s? That's no. kind of like... It's like an apocalyptic version of yeah, roller derby. It's I like actually, people like die on the on the on the track yeah, and stuff. Yeah, um, it's like from the seventies. Well, because yeah. roller derby was still being played, um, like the original roller derby from like back in the heyday, it was actually still being played and televised up until I think the eighties. Yeah, like okay. early to mid eighties mm-hmm. or seventies. Um, when and kind it of actually, when roller skating kind of went out of fashion it actually, and skateboarding kind yeah, of Yeah, it had yeah. sort of continued to evolve and change to the point where what was known as roller derby before it finally died um, was actually basically like choreographed wrestling on skates. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what derby had gotten to. And then they had, like, like it, wrestling, they had those personas, yeah, those characters. Yeah, they had the characters yeah. and the personas. And with those and real rough be, kind of names. Um, like rough was, names with a bit of a feminine twist. Well, a lot of the names, so like modern roller derby names are usually like pun based. So my roller derby name is Pin Uppercut. Pin Uppercut. Oh, yeah, cool. um, Which is obviously like an amalgamation of pin up and and uppercut uppercut punch. Boxing. And my number was 1212. Yeah. With this is like the boxing. Oh, like one two, one two, one two, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So yeah. like a bit new like training and boxing and ah, stuff. Cool. Um. So yeah. So that's my name and like it's a joke, you know, or not a joke, but like a bit of a you know punny kind of. It's thing. very punny and very funny. Yeah. <laughs> um. A lot of names use like alliteration and all those sorts of things as well. Um. But even like the roller derby names are changing and evolving. Um if you like have followed roller derby and watched you know at the world cup and even at like championship level games skaters will actually revert from their historical roller derby name to skating just under their last name yeah yeah okay. so that that's again and that makes it that. more professional yeah, yeah it's yeah, the professional yeah. it's like when you're representing your country oh especially at world, world cup, cup you want your name you want your surname yeah and back. this yeah. this started yeah. Yeah, probably like three or four years ago, you sort of started to see players here and there skating under their last names as opposed to their roller derby names. And yeah. now it's becoming like more and more, more of common. a thing, yeah, yeah. Um, especially at that elite level of representation. Like that skater might still skate under their regular roller derby name for like their, you know, um, like smaller scale bouts if they're like playing intra- in within their own league or with other local leagues, they might still skate under that name. But at that like representative level they're using their own last names now yeah, yeah mm. i'm sure and uh, i'm sure there's a lot of women out there or even men as well who are probably thinking roller derby sounds tough like i love uh, contact sports and stuff yeah. like what i guess to get into roller derby i'll put up like where they can register mm-hmm. and stuff i'll put the websites up but mm-hmm. what i guess what do you need to become a roller derby player like like what kind of skills or attributes do you need i guess to get into it because it's not for everyone it's not for everyone. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing about roller derby is it requires a lot of um, a lot of time. Okay. You have to if you don't already know how to skate or are a skilled or adept skater, you have to learn how to skate properly and safely and stably. Um, you then have to learn how to skate for derby. Which yep. is different. And do you use the the four wheel roller skates yes. or the blades? No, 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 no. Oh, no. skates. No. Okay, okay. It's like you know BMX and like skateboards at a skate park. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a big <laughs> big difference. <laughs> There's a big difference. So we skate on the quad. Quad wheel skates. Other oh, quad wheels, yeah. Yeah, um, I think there's one referee who's initially from the states, and he wears blades. 
Um, but I guess you referee. use it to like catch up because blades. I think you go faster, don't you? Uh, typically, I wouldn't argue that point. All right. If you've seen how fast <laughs> girls yeah, can skate yeah, yeah. on the roller skates when you're very adept at that. Yeah. Thing, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's all it's all skates. Roller skating. Roller skates, I, yeah. People will get, I don't know about everybody else, but yeah, people are like, blah, 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 rollerblading, and I have to correct it. I cannot leave that uncorrected because <laughs> it's just like that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you got you to gotta correct. You can correct me as well. Like, obviously, I'm, <laughs> I'm a novice. I, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm a bit soft to, to do roller derby, yeah. so I, I'll never play it. But, um, but yeah. yeah, so the biggest thing you need is like the dedication of time. Um, at my old league, uh, Sun State, we used to train. So like the... Um, B grade skaters would train three days, uh, sorry, two days a week. Yeah. And the A grade skaters would train three days of the week. Um, and that's, you know, two to three hour training sessions each time. So you're spending, you know, a minimum of four, if not sort of eight hours a week just doing your own league training. And then pretty much everyone or anyone who takes roller derby seriously also does a lot of off skates, strength and endurance and explosive acceleration training um so there's like a lot of people in derby who also are big into um you know like there used to be a lot of people who were doing crossfit or that style of workout as yeah. well as derby um now it's got a huge association with people who are doing a lot of specific targeted strength training um so you know you see photos of some of the girls and like they look like like uh what is it bodybuilders they're, like they're, yeah, they're so really strong yeah, and yeah. so toned this is at again like the elite level um but if you just want to like get into it for fun and you're not sort of wanting to be like super duper competitive you just need to be able to skate and basically stay on like stay upright as much as possible yeah of course <laughs> um but there is <laughs> it a wouldn't minimum... help if you're like getting like smashed every no second, and it? like you wouldn't be allowed to skate you wouldn't be allowed to play if you weren't strong enough and like experienced enough to hold your own out on the track because uh -huh. you then become a safety hazard to yourself and other people yeah um but there is a minimum like the wftda sets a minimum level of skills that you need to be able to pass as a skater in order order to be able to play like even to scrimmage um, or also to play roller derby um, and that's a number of things like being able to skate on one you know on one foot being able to stop being able to skate fast being able to take hits being able to give hits like all this sort of stuff um, and you have to reach that level before you're ever allowed to be on a team and for a lot of people that's you know 12 to 18 months of skating at that like learning level before you are able to start to play in scrimmage so it takes a bit of time or be able to get on a team yeah yeah cool all right well excellent advice Stace <laughs> <laughs> awesome and yeah if you're listening do some roller derby if you can yeah, if, you, if you have the attributes derby. you need it's the best it's it the best I think um, I'd never really played team sports I'm still not really sure I it wasn't the sport that drew me to roller derby so much as like the community yeah and, um, and ellen page and whippet yeah yeah it. like it yeah. was pretty hard to go see that film and not be like yeah roller derby kick ass yeah, like yeah. women yeah yeah um but like the roller derby community itself like there's a very high representation of queer people in the roller derby community um and also as a result of like that you know queer safe space um increasing representation of like transgender skaters mm -hmm. and stuff like that as yeah, well yeah. um as i said it used to be like quite strongly associated with the 
like alternative counterculture so like lots of tattoos and piercing and colorful hair and stuff yeah it's definitely sort of it still keeps that um that history i suppose but as it becomes more and more professional and athletic you've got those you know people who are just like good at sports who find a new sport and want to come in and do sports yeah. and then you've got people who want to do roller derby because you get to hit people and then you've got people, people who want a new social circle yeah, they want someone exactly. with like interests yeah people find it for all different yeah. reasons but i think like roller derby is one of those sports where you come for the derby but you stay for the community mm-hmm. um because it's really for the most part like really supportive very close um very accepting yeah. you know like all different um you know, ages, you've got like mums and housewives and, you know, 20 year old girls and yeah, everyone just is there for the same, the same reason and has each other's back because it's a very strong team sport. Um, So yeah. And that, I think that spreads out into the community as well. Um, That kind of like understanding and you'll see. (coughs) Oh, you're right. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. That's okay. Frothing Um, is right. (laughs) You'll see, you know, people will have formed like long lasting friendships with skaters overseas just because you know you might have messaged someone and been like oh my god like you're you're my skate crush or you're my skating idol skate crush or oh, whatever um and you know people will like form and foster friendships you know just through the derby community because they're they're so close uh we also have we also have wives i don't know if you've ever heard of the concept of a derby wife no um but we all have wives and i'm assuming that the merby players i don't know whether men's derby has taken up that concept they have husbands i don't know if they have husbands <laughs> or not um that's actually yeah. an interesting thing to find out yeah, yeah. but um yeah so everybody in well not everybody but it's also like one of the practices that are from that like older era of derby but your derby wife is basically someone who you meet through the roller derby community that um is like your your derby best friend your derby bff nice um a lot of the time spouse yeah, yeah a lot of the time it'll be someone that started skating at the same time as you or around the same time um, or it might be someone that you were on a team with or whatever and you guys just like really click and bond and whatnot. Um, and then, yeah, you become derby wives. Very good. Yeah. I wonder what my roller derby name would be. I'm trying to think. Oh. I have no idea. Hey, if, if you want to come up with one, if you're listening to the podcast, <laughs> hit me, send me an email, hit me up on socials. What would my roller derby name How be? How do you pronounce your last name? Pugioni. Ivan the Puge? The Puge? But that's like, not punny. as in huge. Oh, yeah. Ivan the Puge. Or, you know, like how, you know, how we do like Bidwa Basque. Yeah. I could be like Banya. I'm five foot nine. I'm I'm huge. Huge. Um, yeah, I'm huge. Puge. I'm I'm huge. Yeah. Or you could just be puge. Or puge. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it work. Yeah. There's a lot of different. Yeah. So like my primary um, derby name is Pin Upper Cut, Pin but up you also name. get like nicknames, like offshoots of your derby name. Buster, so mine, chaos. mine is um, <laughs> pins. So you have like what your regular roller derby name is, but obviously like trying to shout that to one another on the track, it's yeah. a bit of a mouthful. Oh, pin up a car. Yeah, oh. so I'm pins yeah. for short. Oh, he pins. Um, Kick this jammer out. And Dish. then other people, you you end up with like the names evolve and change with really time cool. sometimes as well. Huh. There was actually <laughs> there was actually um, a skater at my old league who started with the derby name Baby Rocket. Oh, yeah. Um, and and then everyone, she graduated to Big Rocket. Everyone used to refer to her as spinach because it was like rocket, ah, rocket spinach, baby yeah. rocket, but everyone sort of was like, oh, I would have called doesn't... it Popeye. 
<laughs> Popeye. It got to the point where she actually changed her roller derby name to Spinach because cool. that's how everybody referred everybody to her yeah. anyway. You would say you would hear the word Baby Rocket and you'd be like, "Who?" Yeah. So you and so she actually like, changed oh, yeah, her name so. to Spinach, and she just recently skated for Team Australia in at the World, World Cup. Cup. Yeah, Spinach is amazing. Nice. Hi, Spinach, if you're listening. Hi, Spinach. Yeah, <laughs> come on, anyone who's listening who does roller derby, hope you're listening. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure you have plenty of stories as well. I don't feel like I've explained the sport very well. Oh, I'm just mindful great. that like yeah. it's so complex it's hard to it's actually so I'm sure I'm sure people like these days we've got you know YouTube and Wikipedia and yeah, stuff I'm sure like so if, if you want to do your own research there. yeah go yeah. have a look or even find out where Roller Derby's playing if the Vic All-Stars are playing again yeah if Victoria's in oh uh, well if you're I mean Melbourne, as I said the Great Southern yeah. Slam's coming up in Adelaide so that's like literally all of the Derby of Australia yeah um, I don't know how often VRDL have games here um, there's also the Northside Rollers which is another league in Melbourne and there's a, another league out in the west but I don't remember what their name is I'm the sorry the Western Rollers <laughs> actually no I think I've got the teams at the moment we've got the All-Stars these are the ones in Victoria so there's three rep teams the All-Stars the Queen Bees and the Victor- Notorious Vicks mm. um, yeah that's all I've got that's all I can find yeah there's only three but I think these are like representative teams. I think that's the A, B and C grade teams that VRDL have. Yeah. So most leagues have at least an A team and then depending on how big the league is, they'll also have like B and sometimes C grade levels um, for their representative teams. Mm -hmm. And then they also sometimes still participate in like interleague home teams. Yeah, yeah. But for the most part, people are like leagues these days are moving away from home teams and interleague mm-hmm. tournaments or like, um, you know, annual kind of things to yeah. more to just focusing on that representative level yeah. as the sport is becoming more and more serious. And also, if you if you don't want to participate as a skater, you can be an official, you can be oh, a supporter, man. you can be you can be anything really. You like, don't have to necessarily play to be yeah, involved. Yeah. Um so if you don't want to play but you love to skate, you could always always become a referee. Yeah. Um the referees are really highly involved in derby. We would be nowhere like the community, the game wouldn't exist without our referees and NSOs. Yeah, yeah. Um which is sorry, non-skating officials. Yeah, that's right. You can become um, one of those too. Yeah, yeah. and like they're very, very involved in the league and in the games as well. Like you actually get a better vantage point yeah. <laughs> if you're an NSO than if you're just sitting on the sidelines watching. Yeah, obviously yeah. you need to do stuff, but yeah, it's, you're still like very much a part of the league even without being a skater. Yeah, mm. cool. Yeah, there's sure. a lot to do. Or you could just you know sell merch and stuff like that. That's right. Like yeah, if you don't yeah. want to get involved in that sort of a level. There's always like always a space for everybody in roller derby. Of course, anywhere in the world, and, and typically, I'm sure most countries or a lot of countries have their own teams. So Heaps. Do a Google yeah. search, and there's too many to mention. Um, mm. But yeah, go have a look wherever yep. you're listening. Yeah. Awesome. And so, Stace, you're also a uh, travel enthusiast, I guess, or a jet setter. I mean, like... Mm, I don't what, think I'd describe myself as a... Je- I just call myself a gypsy, to be honest. <laughs> gypsy. <laughs> um, that, I'll put that in the notes. It'd be like, Stacey is a roller derby, a former roller derby player and gypsy. And gypsy, yeah. Part-time tra- gypsy. Who pickpockets people uh, around the world. The, yes. the travelling kind no, of gypsy. No, not, <laughs> oh, not That kind of gypsy, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Like, backpacker. 
okay. guess, yeah, backpacker. Jet, in my mind, when you say jet setting, that's kind of that, you know, like luxury travel oh, okay. of people who... Oh, that's not how I picked it. But right. Yeah, okay. In my mind, that's the kind of imagery that comes up when you say jet setter, whereas I'm just like, a, I am literally one of the scungier, <laughs> like cheap-ass backpackers. You're in the stowaway section. Oh, yeah. You're with the baggage. Yeah, I'm the, the, I'm the hitchhiking, couch surfing, <laughs> like... Uh, wearing clothes found in backpacker hostels See, level traveler so you don't have to have thousands of dollars to travel no. you, can, you can do it like on on a whim uh, yeah yeah so um, what do you do like do you create networks around the world or do you like use social media to find people like how do you um, how do you do it on a, on, on a such a shoestring budget well i sort of learned as i traveled on the road so um i left australia in the beginning of 2016 for what was meant to be a nine month long backpacking trip um and i ended up coming home in september of 2017 yeah um so i was on the road for like 20 months and when i first left it was like oh yeah just go backpacking like through central america and europe and then come home yeah um but as i continued to travel i sort of decided to see and do more and more stuff so at the beginning of the trip it was definitely a lot more um like, we're still traveling on a budget, but it was definitely a lot more like a holiday in terms of like, you know, you'd eat out more often and you wouldn't necessarily be like tossing up which hostel to stay at based at like whichever is the cheapest and comparing in, you know, dollars or cents even to that point. It would just be more like, oh, that one's got a good rating. That looks fun. Like, let's go there. Whereas at the end of the trip, it was like, I wouldn't even pay for backpackers. I'd be couch surfing. Yeah, sure. um, And hitchhiking and stuff like that, as as I said. Or like visiting friends, you know, you'd meet people in hostels um, and make friends on Facebook. And then if you're going to that, you know, if they're from one place and you know that that's where they usually live, you get in touch with people and say, you know, can I come stay with you when I'm in town? and stuff like that so i think it's something it's a skill traveling cheap is definitely a skill that you learn as you travel um because you learn what you can like what you can get away without spending on Uh um and the longer that you travel the less it is a holiday and the more it is your life yeah um so then you don't feel the need to shop or to eat out all the time or whatever because it's like you're just living your regular life but you're doing it, you know, overseas. Yeah, overseas, yeah. Yeah. What tips can you give, like, one person who probably wants to probably not really travel the world, mm-hmm. but maybe, like, travel to one country or maybe yep. a continent? Like, what can you say to them? Like, they don't have much money or maybe yep. they've got, they're on a real Fixed tight budget. budget. Yeah. yeah. Like, what can you say to them? Um, couch surfing is amazing. Yeah. Um, couch surfing, unfortunately, isn't particularly common in Australia, from what I can tell, but it's massive over in Europe. Um, people there are very happy to have um, to be hosts and and have people come into their homes and people also use it and stay with hosts a lot Um, so it's a really common thing and it's like couch surfing is not just a place for you to sleep it's like a cultural exchange so you sort of have an unspoken agreement with your host you don't just go there go to sleep and then leave the next morning Mm -hmm. um usually your host will you might go out and do some sightseeing together or they might take you somewhere that a local would know about or you know you might go and get a meal together or whatever um and it's usually an opportunity for the hosts to practice english for a start Um, a lot of the time to, you know, hear about travels or other places or, you know, the places that people are coming from. Um, And then obviously as the the couch surfer, you're getting somewhere to 
to stay for free but you're also getting to like meet a local person and find out more about that culture um and yeah typically like the amount of experience you get from that is far greater than what you'd ever get just sleeping in a hostel of course yeah. because when you're in a hostel you're surrounded by other travelers whereas when you couch surf not only is it free but you also are learning about that those people that place that culture and all of that at the same time yeah so couch surfing's great um volunteering as well something i did a fair bit um there's websites like Workaway and HelpX and stuff like that um and a lot of hostels or little places around the around the world um you know want people to come and volunteer and you usually get your bed and sometimes food as well included every day that you work for them um and i worked at one four different like hostels and places along my travels um once in total for like four months at this hostel in spain Mm -hmm. on a few different visits and um it's a fantastic opportunity if you find a place that you like um and you decide you really want to stay in that place for a long time the best advice i would have is to immediately start looking for hostels either the hostel that you're staying in Mm -hmm. um or hostels like in the outlying area um, and see if someone wants volunteers because that's how a lot of the hostels are run in Europe. They've got their key staff and then everything else is done by volunteers and it means that it's a really good way of, you know, travellers getting to stay in one place for longer and spend, like, next to no money and also the hostels don't have to <laughs> pay staff <laughs> so they save money, yeah. which is good. Very good. Yeah. yeah some, so, some nice little tips there. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. So. And just, like, yeah, I don't know, just little stuff. Um I don't know how detailed you want to go, but yeah, like it's just. <laughs> I would I would speak to you for a number of hours, Stace. But yeah, we're very limited on time. So. True, true, yeah. true. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I, the number one tip I would say is if you ever find a place that has like breakfast included and you're tossing up between like one place or the other get the breakfast breakfast included included, load up on that's what i do when i travel too. load up on breakfast well you load up on breakfast and then usually you can also like steal like depending on what the breakfast spread is there's usually always bread right so you eat as much you paid for it you eat as much breakfast as you can and then you take the bread with you and then you can make like sandwiches for lunch from the bread at the hostel yeah very good very nifty way of doing it. Yep, top yep. tip. Yeah, very good. Yep. Stacey Alice, thank you so much for being with me today. You're welcome. And uh, yeah, you have a good day. Thank you, Ivan. All right. I'll see you on the track soon. Yay. Yay. Pin up a cut and puge. <laughs> <laughs> puge. That's a good one. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it was a pretty good chat, wasn't it? <laughs> really enjoyed that one. Thanks so much, Stacey. Uh, I'll be sure to go to a roller derby rink and I'll check out the Victorian team and watch them uh, kick ass <laughs> all over the world because as of now, they are the number one ranked team in the world. So uh, yeah, I'll be sure to go see them and, and even the local roller derby teams next time. And uh, thanks again also uh, to Stacey for the uh, travel tips, uh, the very uh, interesting shoestring budget ideas, which I'm sure you can incorporate in your next trip if you need. If you like what you hear, be sure to rate and review the podcast and also subscribe so you never miss new episodes. Uh, I'm always after new guests, so uh, if you want to be a guest on the show, be sure to drop me a line. You can send me an email in Melbourne last week at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our Facebook and Instagram is at in Melbourne last week. My Twitter handle is at I am last week for the podcast. And if you want to follow me personally, I have my own personal Twitter profile at Ivan C. Pugioni. Thanks again for listening. And next week, I have another very awesome guest to speak to. And uh, hope you have a good one. And I'll see you then. Bye.